Oh yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that's right. It's another episode of Peace, Love, and Hot Sauce. Today's very special guest is Mr. J.W. Jones, ladies and gentlemen. So sit back, relax, pop a cold one, or brew some coffee, and dig right in. Welcome to another edition of Peace, Love, and Hot Sauce, the Quarantine Sessions. We are on the phone with one of my favorite guitar players and singers, Mr. J.W. Jones from Canada. How you doing today, sir? Very well, Joel. How are you? I'm not doing too bad, you know. I, I can't wait for, for this all to be over, but, uh, uh, you know, just uh, staying home and uh, doing some streams. How about you? Oh, man, yeah, I know it's definitely we are we are in weird times, that's for sure. Um, I'm trying to stay positive, man, just uh, working away on a, a big band release, and um, I've been doing that with uh, an engineer remotely, so that's that's been a lot of fun and a lot of work. I've been doing it probably for almost two months now. Wow. Uh, on and off, and, um, and I've learned how to record my own vocals and guitar and stuff like that, so it's... It's definitely inspired me uh, and influenced learning, so that's that's pretty cool. But um, yeah, man, missing the gigs—that's for sure. Missing yeah. The people. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how uh, how old were you when you first started playing guitar, and what made you pick up the guitar in the first place? I was 15 years old when I first started playing guitar, but I was a drummer before that, and. Um, when I first started playing drums, I was listening to classic rock stuff, you know, like Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, and, and all that stuff, and playing drums along with it, and Stevie Ray Vaughan. And, and then I, I ended up switching to the guitar when I was 15 after seeing a B.B. King show here in Ottawa. And, and uh, that was the moment where I was like, okay, I don't want to be back there on the drum kit. I want to be out front playing guitar. <laughs> and, that was, and that was the way that was born, and I just, you know picked away at it on an acoustic guitar that I had since I was a kid and um, I was bending strings on an acoustic guitar which was interesting and I still have the guitar and it's just all worn down from me trying to bend like Albert <laughs> King <laughs> on an acoustic. Well that's the way to start is is in an acoustic you know. Yeah absolutely yeah there's no doubt that it uh, it definitely gets your your hands and your fingers uh, gets the strength up no doubt and um yeah, I had a friend who would tune the guitar for me and, and restring it every now and then because I didn't know how to do that stuff. And he taught me my first couple of chords and everything else. So I was self-taught and just, you know, pressing rewind a million times like so many of us did. Yeah, it's so easier yeah. now for kids to learn music and guitar in general, I think. I wish we had YouTube when we first started, but, you know... Uh, it's so easy now. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing though, right? Because yeah. I, I always think about this. If we did have YouTube then, then maybe we wouldn't have developed our ear as well. True. You know, like, yes. like I, I can learn pretty much anything by ear other than, you know, complicated jazz stuff. And I, I attribute that to the fact that I just had to. It was just part of the process that had to happen. And 
you know, I wonder about the younger generations now learning from YouTube and seeing it on a screen rather than having to find it themselves. Right. And I wonder, you know, it, it, are their ears going to be as good as ours? Um, and, yeah. you know, I, I guess that's going to be an individual thing. But, uh, but yeah, there's definitely some major advantages now to the technology. <laughs> What's the uh, scene like over there in, in Canada? All right, you're, you're, from, you're from there, correct? Yeah, born and raised in Ottawa, Canada. Ottawa is the capital, even though most people think it's Toronto because Toronto is four times larger of a city. Um, but, yeah, the, the blue scene here has always been really strong. I mean, we used to have guys like Muddy Waters come here and Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee would come through town. And, wow. I mean, all of that was way before my time, of course. But, um, you know, B.B. King came here pretty much every year or every, like, two or three years, depending on the time frame. And, uh, and we have a big blues festival here in Ottawa called the Ottawa Blues Fest. And when it started out, that's when I was really just getting into blues. I think I was at the second blues fest ever, which was in 95. And that's where I saw Buddy Guy, Luther Allison, Robert wow. Jr. Lockwood, you know, a bunch of really heavy blues. And, uh, and because of that festival, it was like an anchor for me every summer. Sure. I knew I could go there, you know. And, and see something and be introduced to new artists and see some of my favorites. And um, and that was a huge, huge influence here in Ottawa, in addition to having a couple of uh, blues clubs that were strictly blues at the time. Uh, one of them is closed down, turned into a shawarma palace. So that, <laughs> <laughs> and that's, uh, yeah, that's uh, Tucson's Roadhouse. And... Um, and like I saw Little Charlie there, a band called Big Dave and the Ultrasonics, one of the tightest oh, yeah. bands I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Carrie Bell, a uh, ton of great blues came through there, and um, unfortunately it's no longer. But uh, the other one is the Rainbow Bistro downtown in, uh, in downtown Ottawa, and um, you know, Albert Collins has played there, and, and all kinds of huge acts. And, um, and that became the, the blues club for me, because after Tucson's closed, you know, I'd, I'd play there. But uh, it's a good scene, man. I mean, the whole country has blues societies all over it. Um, big ones in Toronto, Montreal, and then out in the West Coast, there are a bunch. So there, there's a good infrastructure here for sure, and a lot of fans for, you know, a lot of blues fans. What was the first concert you ever went to? Now, this is, uh, this is <laughs> I know we're on the record, but I'm going to have to just be honest here. The first real concert I went to was New Kids on the Block. Are you, what? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't make it up if I tried, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I was probably like 12, I don't know, 13. It was a, it was a few years before I was introduced to blues, but <laughs> New Kids on the Block. And then um, by 15, I saw B.B. King, and, and that's when everything else changed. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Did you get to... Who was the first... Um, local and also national um, musician that had an impact on you? Uh, that would be Tony D. Um, he plays in a band called Monkey Junk now. Oh. But when I was growing up, uh, the early days, it was the Tony D band. And I used to go see him from the time I was 15 years old. And my mom would bring me to Tucson's because it was a restaurant, so I could kind of get in there under the restaurant world of, of regulations versus the Rainbow, where I literally couldn't go in there uh, for regular shows until I was drinking age. 
but um but at the rainbow i was able to go there on like sunday afternoons or for jam nights when they were a little more lax on the uh, on the door and uh i started playing drums with tony d there when i was like 15 and um then when i as well and he would help me out with everything from you know answering guitar questions to helping me get my first few gigs and telling me how to contact media and stuff like that and a uh, huge influence and super super great guy and i just spoke to him probably a month and a half ago on the phone just chatting about live streaming and this kind of new world we're in for yeah all this covid stuff isn't it but, crazy um, it's absolutely crazy yeah yeah i mean we're all gonna look back on this and remember what we were doing you know how old we were uh, if we had kids what was going on like it's a crazy time man and i like i mean we're all looking forward to it being over but there's almost this weird sense of what it'll be like to look back on this time you know what i mean in the future like 10 years from now we're gonna be like oh remember how crazy that was like we couldn't like go out anywhere yeah <laughs> it's gonna be wild man um so how is it down there for you it's it's uh it's pretty wacky um i I'm in Florida, so, um, and it's wacky in general. <laughs> uh, you know, we got Tide Pod eaters down by us and face eaters, mm. you, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. I do, I do. <laughs> um, have you ever, you've played down here, I'm sorry for, uh, for, um, not, not remembering, but, uh, have you played down in South Florida or no? I know Key oh, yeah, West. Yeah. I know yeah. Key West. Yeah, I mean, I've played in, um, What's South? What's considered South Florida? Like Tampa? No. Uh, let's see. Anywhere from uh, like Fort Lauderdale, uh, Boca, uh, Miami. Yeah, played in Boca. Um, uh, what's the club in Boca? I'm, I, it's Funky been Biscuit. Funky Biscuit. Yeah, I played there once. Um, and man, I'm terrible without looking at a map and actually thinking <laughs> okay. about it. But I, I know I have played a bunch of dates around there. Um, but yeah, man, Florida has always been so great for us. I mean, you guys have such a different approach to to the whole touring world. Like, you can play every night of the week if you work hard enough. You know, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go, going back to the previous question, who's your um, who was the the other uh, main uh, person that made an impact on your uh, guitar playing, um, or just in general? Yeah, locally, it's 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 kind of hard to say. I mean, there. Are, Tony was the big one. I mean, he's he's toured Europe and and um, now since Monkey Junk in the U.S. and stuff like that. So I mean, he's kind of both the national or the local and the you know international blues guy um, that that most influenced me here in town. But otherwise, you know, there's a great piano player named Johnny Russell. He played really hardcore traditional blues, Jimmy Rogers, Muddy Waters stuff. And uh, I was in his band when I first started out, along with Steve Mariner, who is part of Monkey Junk. And, um, man, I learned so much about the traditional blues, you know, genre in general from him and just playing all that material and having to learn it all. So he was a really big influence too. And, uh, I'm just so lucky that I got in on that level. Like, I think it's really important in blues to study the origins first before you branch off, you know, I'm, sure. I'm full, fully supportive of rock blues and soul blues and all that other stuff i mean it's fantastic if you can make your make your own songs that come out however they come out and, you know that's something i've really realized in the last few years but you know to play all that stuff and to study all that stuff first i think that is absolutely essential because it gives you the right 
vocabulary to move forward, you know? Sure. And it's, I agree. It's all about vocabulary because you could, you could play a million notes a minute, but if you have nothing to say with five notes, I don't know. That's just me talking. Yeah, no, yeah absolutely. No, absolutely, man. I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, I can play some fast-ish stuff. I mean, I'm nowhere at the speed of guys like Bonamassa or right. um, Eric Gales or anything like that. But um, but I think that's it's fun to play some of that stuff fast as long as you, you know, you treat it with, uh, with its own kind of respect in, in regards to putting it in as a flash thing when it's necessary or when it's, you know, fun or the right time. But otherwise, I mean... I do think that some of that gets lost on the listener in terms of coming from the soul. And that's, that's where I think, uh, it's, it's more important to play from the soul and to play meaningful notes, you know, that, that make you feel something. I mean, when I I hear really fast guitar playing, what I feel is it, it shifts from, from the heart and soul into technical prowess. And when it shifts to technical prowess, I still go, damn, that's, that's impressive, but I don't feel it. You know, in my heart, and and to me, that's the difference. Right. A lot of people are um, uh, wowed by speed and technicality of playing the guitar, as opposed to, um, like, for example, I presented one friend of mine with, um, like, BB King, and like Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. And I was like, what do you think? And they're like, oh, Eddie Van Halen, you see how he rips so fast and everything like that? Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I love them both, but it's just yeah. like, I don't know, I'm going off on a, I'm venting, I don't know. No, I like that. Please do, please do. I, I think, honestly, like, in an interview situation like this, I, I like it more when it's a conversation, because then, you know, if I get more of a sense of what, what interests you and where you're coming from, then that just, you know, it makes the conversation deeper and more interesting. Sure, I I agree. Yeah. I agree too. I was looking at a lot of your stuff, and you have a real nice um, attack um, with your left hand. What, when you were first starting, who and probably now, who are some of the guys that you listen to? I know that Charlie Beatty was a huge influence, and when I was first starting out, there was a venue in Delray Beach called the Back Room. And he played there with um, Little Charlie and the Nightcats. And there's a, a I gotta find it. It's somewhere. But there's a picture of of me, 15 years old, um, just being blown away by this magical guitar player. And um, yeah, band, I couldn't believe it. But yeah. um, uh, so who are your who are your uh, some of your influences that make up your style? Well, I think I should go back to the Ottawa Blues Fest thing and say that. Um, when I was 17, or just about to turn 17, actually, uh, is when I was walking around the Ottawa Blues Fest grounds one afternoon, like four hours before the music was even starting. And I was walking around with this jean jacket I had, and I was like, man, I got to find Anson Funderburg. I just yeah. have to meet Anson Funderburg. And as I was saying that to my friend walking in this field, Anson Funderburg walked by us. And I was like, <laughs> holy cow, that was him. Like, what is going on here? So I turned around, went up to him, Anson, Anson, I'm a huge fan, blah, blah, blah. And uh, got him to sign my jacket. And um, that night, he 
so it was really cool. I said, you know, do you, do you have a fan club? And he goes, oh, no, I don't have a fan club, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I was, you know, 16 years old. I didn't know that Blues guys didn't have fan clubs. You know, I thought it was like, you know, why don't they? I mean, they're, they're rock stars to me. Right. Um, so anyway, that, uh, that day I said, hey, can I video your show? And he said, oh, yeah, you can video, no problem. So videoed the show, and then... I was standing at the side of stage after his show, and he came out and signed autographs for everybody. And he said, uh, "So, you know, is there is there a good place to eat around here?" And I mean, you, you don't really ask a sixteen year old for uh, culinary advice, you know. I don't think. <laughs> so I was like, "And here's why," because I'm like, "Well, there's a mall over there with a food court." Like that was my answer. How embarrassing! But uh, he goes, "Okay, well, I'm I'm going to go back and talk to the guys and see what they want to do." And then he came back and he goes, oh, "I'm really sorry, you know." They've got food back here. Uh, you know, I know you offered to show us around the, the mall, but uh, it's okay. We have food back here, so we're going to stay back here. And I was like, uh... And then he goes, do you guys want to come back here and join us? And, man, there were, like, eight of us, and we were all kids. Like, we were all, like, 16, 17, 18 years old. And uh, we're like, okay. So he just tells the uh, security guard, okay, they're all with me. So, like, eight of us go backstage, <laughs> sit down, and they were serving us dinner like we were like musicians and rock stars. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Anyway, so that was one of my uh, he Anson's one of my first biggest influences um, in terms of especially traditional blues guitar. And um, I just wanted to tell that story because I had mentioned the Ottawa Blues Fest and sure. its influence. You know, um, so Anson for sure, uh, Ronnie Earl, yeah. Jimmy Vaughn. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Vaughn is probably probably the the number one other than bb king for me um little charlie huge like anything related to swinging on the guitar yeah it's all little charlie like, do you like everything, um, uh, everything do you i don't mean to interrupt um do you like no, uh no. dave gonzalez from the paladins oh yeah man love <clears throat> dave gonzalez, yeah he's good and i mean that's that's the thing like i love hollywood fats yeah um junior watson and all of these guys have completely different ways of swinging like they have a completely different approach and sound and what I loved about Charlie's was the kind of outside jazzy stuff. And what I love about Watson is, you know, the totally wacky, weird note selection and and chords. And what I love about Hollywood Fats is this just like it's blues guitar, but it's just swinging and so heavy and powerful, you know, like they all have different uh, different characteristics that I love. You know, I love them all. Um. another segment from our sponsor right here at jim bob's you could get any car you want to so come on down right here to jim bob's you can find yourself a 1974 pinto pink blue at the same time for get this ladies and gentlemen fifteen thousand dollars that's right fifteen thousand dollars or you can get yourself a 1901 chevy chevette that's right 1901 chevy Chevette. Impress the ladies, impress your mother, hell, impress yourself. Come on down right here, right now to Jim Bob's. Oh, yeah. What uh, guitars are you using and amplifiers and pedals for all us nerds here? Oh, man. Well, I started out as a Strat guy, and I played this... Um, Sonic Blue Stratocaster for many years and at that time I was just going through a, a basement with a 
reverb tank, you know, trying to get that Kid Ramos oh, uh, yeah. tone with the big <laughs> yeah. verb and, and everything. Um, and then over the years, I ended up switching to, it was just too loud. Like, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't play it at the volume I wanted to play it at. So I ended up switching to a, a Vibro King for a while, which broke up really nicely at a lower volume and loved it. And then eventually switched to a Pro Junior. And I ended up touring with a Pro Junior for many, many years. And that's like one... 10 inch speaker yeah 110 and um and it's not like the blues junior so it's got two knobs volume and tone and so i would put the tone pretty much at seven or eight and uh have the fender reverb pedal you know that 63 fender reverb pedal um with it and i to me i was getting the same verb as i was from the old school tube unit but uh that was my go-to man and then um and and using a les paul for probably since like 2009 or something wow. like that um the same guitar and then you know i ended up having so many problems with tubes and blowing speakers and like i blew at least four speakers and it was there was no rhyme or reason to it man i always played the same volume it's like something was going on and it was overheating or i was sending too much signal and all of a sudden the speaker was blowing and having amp problems and blah 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 and then a buddy of mine always harassed me about trying digital amps. And I was like, no, man, you got to have tubes. I'm not using that digital crap. You don't forget it, man. And he's like, just just try it, man. Try it. So eventually I, I saw this video on the uh, the Kemper. And uh, the Kemper is an all-digital amp. It's called a Profiler. And instead of having simulation of other amps, it has actually extracted the, the sonic waves and the DNA of the amps that it's profiling um, through this crazy technology these Germans came up with. And uh, I saw a video of from this music store in, in England. I can't remember the name of it now. And they did a blind test of like Fender amps, Marshalls, everything. And the guy listening to the difference between the Kemper and the real one could not tell the difference. Wow. So at that moment, I was like, Okay, if this guy can't tell, and he's being genuine, and he didn't want to pick the Kemper, but he just kept picking the Kemper, thinking it was the real one. And so that influenced me, and I was like, I have to try this thing. So I tried it, and the first time I plugged into this thing and brought up the Pro Junior 3 profile, which is the same app I was using, and I ran my reverb before it, and I played what I would usually play to sound check, I had chills. Wow. All over my body, man. Chills. Like, I'm not kidding. I was like, I cannot believe this is not my Pro Junior. This is blowing my mind, man. And um, and it, it's just crazy. So since then, I've switched to this thing, and it can do anything. And I, I uh, you know, on some more distorted tunes, I go through a Marshall Amp um, profile, and uh, it's incredible, man. So running before it, for all, the, for all the pedal geeks and stuff like that, like I said, I've got the 63... Fender Reverb pedal by Boss. Yeah, those and are the, great. Uh, the Flint Strymon for um, for a tremolo and a tuner, and that's it. That's, that's it, huh? And yeah, man. <coughs> pardon me, you said a Kemper. I've never heard of that. Okay, well, I mean, the, the very key thing to understand about the Kemper is that it's a profiler and not a modeler. So modelers try to sound like, you know, a Fender Super Reverb or whatever. Right. But what they do with the Kemper is... You, you take a microphone, and they do it in proper studios, even though you can do it yourself at, a, at your home, and they put a microphone in front of, let's say, a, a Super Reverb, and 
they send signals from the Kemper into the Super Reverb, okay, because they're connected. Right. And then the microphone is also connected back into the Kemper. So you're going out of the Kemper into the Super Reverb, and then from the microphone in front of the Super Reverb back into the Kemper. Wow. So it basically sends all these signals, like evil, evil sounds, like all this crazy stuff. And, um, and it steals the DNA of those sound waves, and then you can, you know, fiddle with it and dial it in so that you can A-B them and they sound, you know, exactly alike kind of thing. And wow. uh, you have to, and anyone listening to this, has to go on YouTube and type in Little Charlie J.W. Jones Kemper. Wow. Because I took the Kemper to Little Charlie's house, and I profiled his favorite super reverb of, you know, 30 years or whatever, and by the end of the video, he does not know the difference between his favorite Super Reverb <laughs> and the Kemper profile of his Super Reverb. You are evil. You are evil. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, it's so evil. And it's actually so funny, man, because something a lot of people don't know about Charlie is like he had a lot of humor in his guitar playing, but people don't realize how hilarious he was off stage, like when he was relaxed. You know, a lot of people meet him off stage and they're you know, just saying, oh, you're amazing, you're amazing, and, right. you know, buying merch or whatever, but to actually get to know him, he's one of the funniest guys I've ever met, and in this video, you can see his humor, like, it's on point, man, it's so funny. How, how much do the amps run for? Uh, they're about three grand Canadian, so I'd say that's, like, 21, 22 yeah. American, I don't know, wow. something like that, um, and then you, you have to put it through a, uh, a cab, like, this just a head. And then you put it through a cab. And so I had a custom cab made with a 15-inch uh, speaker. Wow. I think it's 15. Yeah, yeah there, it's a 15. There ain't none and, like uh, a Super Reverb, though, my friend. Oh, I know, but you got to try it. you got to try it. It's crazy. It, I mean, it's got the tube. You can change the tube settings digitally. What? It, it's oh, it's freaky, man. It, it's You can do anything. You can change what cab you're going through, the cab simulator. Wow. Um, it's it's wacky like it's i was anti-digital believe me totally anti-digital but i've had this thing now for a year and a half i've had zero problems and whenever i set up i have the exact same tone in every room there's no issues with power there's no issues with going to europe there's no wow it's just it's your tone every single time you you plug in it's it's insane man you um you recently won uh uh, the blues challenge with another band, correct? And you won yeah, the guitar, right. and you won the guitar um, award. Yeah, that's right. Um, <coughs> yeah, I went down there with a, a band called Horojo Trio. That's H O R O J O. Yeah, and that's the first two letters of each of our last names. And that's Jeff Rogers is the singer, Jamie Holmes is the drummer, and uh, I play guitar. And Jeff is one of the best singers you will hear ever anywhere period put him against anybody he sounded great when i heard when i yeah. saw the videos it was, i was like yeah. wow okay no, yeah. no wonder what they won. <laughs> yeah man oh yeah exactly like insane and not to mention his voice is incredible and his his you know everything to do with the way he sings is incredible but he also plays keyboards and he plays left hand bass on a separate keyboard and his left hand wow. is better than most bass players. So, <laughs> yeah, he's he's a total freak of nature. And so between him, Jamie on drums, who used to tour with me and one of my best friends, um, and then I play guitar, and, and uh, 
yeah, we did really well, man. I mean, we won the whole thing, which is crazy because there were some awesome bands. Like, I oh, saw yeah. a band from Germany that was, like, killing, just so good. But, uh, yeah, it was a great experience, man. Two two of my uh, friends, I believe, were in the finals. Um, uh, gosh, I'm having a mind fart here. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey, cool. Jeffrey James Harris and Josh yeah. Rowand. Did you yeah, get to yeah. meet them or... or hang out or? yeah yeah cool. definitely uh i mean we all saw each other backstage and and um you know at some of the clubs and stuff like that and we've all connected since since then on social media and um it's great man everyone was so supportive and and really cool and like i said you know those guys were fantastic and so many so many great musicians and uh i mean it's crazy when you're when you're being judged about music yeah, you know it's always I, a, it's always a weird thing but what I did like about it is if you go in with the mentality that you're not against other bands, you're against the scorecard. Yeah. And I think that if you go in with that mentality, which is actually 100% accurate, then, you know, it's it kind of takes the pressure off. You're like, am I being the best I can be in these categories? Then it's, it's much easier, you know? I kind of gave up. I've been there so many times. <laughs> I just go, when, when, I, when I do... Oh, really? You've done it, yeah? Yeah, I've done it a lot. And then... Okay. Um... When I go there, you know, through the respecting blues society, yeah. I treat I treat it as a uh, mingling and networking um, event, yeah. more so than a contest. Because I've gotten mm-hmm. tons of gigs oh, yeah. from just being there and people seeing yeah. your new fans and and uh, you know and you know it's the it's the judges who are going to be all judgy and and parts of it are clicky and you know the whole the whole kit and the caboodle but um yeah. it's definitely amazing event to be a part of yeah yeah for you sure know? man yeah i mean i i felt pretty positive about, about the whole thing and believe me i did not think we were going to go in there and and even necessarily place in the top three because when when we went in there i said to the guys like look it it doesn't matter man like we just have to do what we do and we can't start second guessing ourselves, which believe me, we did. Like, hmm. even in, in our club on the first night, you know, we were like, man, this other band, they're all wearing suits, and the singer is like at the front of the stage, like putting on this huge show with his arms, and he's like really going at it. He's like a soul singer, and we can't do that because our singer is stuck behind a piano. Like, he can't move. And I'm the only one that has any movement in the band because I'm the only one standing. So, you know, that got into our heads and hmm. we were like, the guys were like, oh, maybe we need to do a, a bigger intro and maybe we need to do this thing. And I'm like, guys, forget it. Like, just, we already know what we do. Let's just do what we do, you know, yeah. and, not, and not mess with it and, yeah. and see what happens. And um, I mean, I, I've been around for a long time. So yeah, I definitely knew some of the people that were down there, uh, industry, industry folks and some of the judges and things like that. But it's like, I, I don't know if that, was helpful or not because all I know is we had like the best singer around so that probably helped <laughs> you know? oh if yeah you I saw <clears throat> pardon me the video and you guys are am, am, amazing and there was a lot of stiff competition you know and you're right it is against the scorecard because you know I don't think that the judges have any ill will toward anybody you know no, no. yeah um let's see all right <clears throat> pardon me gosh need some more coffee um, so what came out of the, uh, you guys winning the, uh, the whole thing and you winning the, the guitar award? Well, for the guitar thing, um, 
I got this uh, really cool amp. It's called a uh, Category 5. Cool. And it's like totally hand-wired and um, it's got like a voltage attenuator thing on it. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool. But it's even like on it, it says, I'm looking at it right now, it says 2020 International Blues Challenge Best Guitarist, like on the amp, like where it would Whoa. say, you know, Fender or whatever, you know. Um, so that's pretty cool and, and super customized. And uh, I need to mess around with it some more to really understand how to tame it because it's like so powerful and you can do so many different things with it that I want to find a good tone that's like at a, a good volume, you know. Um, and then a uh, 335 in Beale Street Blue, Gibson 335. Neat. Um, yeah, which uh, which is a beautiful guitar. I just need to get it kind of set up and everything so that I can play it some more. Um, so that's the guitar thing. And then the band, well, it's it's pretty awkward because we won a bunch of festivals that uh, yeah. have all been canceled. <laughs> right. <laughs> this yeah. will go down in history as being the worst year you could possibly win the International <laughs> Blues Challenge. Oh, man. Um, yeah. But having said that, most of them, you know, Chicago Blues Fest and uh, a few others are kind of promising us the gig in 2021. That's cool. So that's really really cool and um and you know there's a little bit of a cash prize which was nice and uh kind of covered our expenses and um yeah i mean festivals and a little cash prize and there's there are supposedly some medals that come out of this i don't know if they're like olympic medal type things, but... <laughs> you guys are gonna stand on like a pedestal three two one <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. put them over you yeah, and um, Jeff was joking around. He's like, "Man, we should imagine we had the pedestal. Like, imagine we had those things on the night that we won. We could be walking <laughs> around Beale Street with gold medals on." It's <laughs> like, "Yeah, man, that's exactly what we needed." Oh, um, what have you been doing during the quarantine to keep yourself busy, and um, where do you see all this going? Man, I mean, I'll answer the "Where do I see it going?" part first because. It's really weird. I mean, I don't have another gig. Like, I'm sitting right in front yeah. of my calendar here. I don't have another gig booked that I think we're going to be able to play until maybe, like, October 1st. Are you kidding me? Well, maybe September. I mean, we're on the big blues bender with Hirojo, so... That's cool. If the big cool. blues bender happens, then great. Uh, we'll be yeah. there. But, I mean, that's September 11th, and that's only... How far? June, July, August, September. Four months. I mean, can this whole thing be tamed by then i don't know um so in terms of where it's going it's also going to be really difficult because of the crowd sizes and yeah. the uh you know government regulations about crowd sizes so uh, that that makes me nervous for sure uh, i mean i make a living playing gigs and selling yeah. merchandise and without that then I, I can't really survive doing guitar lessons online you know yeah. it's, just, it's not enough yeah. but um so there's that but on the positive side um when this whole thing first hit, I was thinking of doing a big band, like EP and just like releasing four songs or something. But as we started working on it, it has become a full length album. And um, it's just in the mastering phase right now. And it sounds incredible. And when I say big band, I mean, uh, a 13 piece horn section plus four piece rhythm section. So nice. it's like Jeez. an actual, an actual big band. Wow. Um, and then I even overdubbed some guitar and, and um, I had to learn how to do all my own vocals from home and, and record all that stuff. And so that, that's that been something positive that has come out of the whole COVID thing is a lot of musicians are learning how to record themselves, which I think is really, really 
cool, man. Got no um, choice, right? So yeah, <laughs> got no choice. Yeah, so that's what I've been working on. I'm really, uh, really excited about it. I can't wait to uh, kind of announce it and, and see where it goes. Um, there, you mentioned the uh, big band um, record you're coming out with. One of my favorite um, Cana- another Canadian is uh, Colin James and his big band albums. Are you a fan of his? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I have a picture of me watching him playing at this, like, um, CD launch thing he did at, like, a, a record store. And I'm 15 years old in my Chicago Bulls hat, my jean jacket, watching him. And, <laughs> and there's Colin with his, like, you know, 80s hair, even though he's in the uh, the 90s. Um, and, and yeah, I loved those big band records. And even going before the big band records, I was listening to him, you know, for, for just came back to say goodbye in five long years, his, his like, pop rock stuff. It came out when I was like really young, and uh, loved the big band records, and then ended up getting him as a special guest on one of my albums. I didn't in know 2004. that. Yeah, yeah, an album called My Kind of Evil. It was produced by Kim Wilson of the Fabulous Thunderbirds, and um, Kim sings and plays harmonica on a bunch, and uh, Colin sings two songs on it: uh, Johnny Guitar Watson song and a Lazy Lester tune. How how did you and, get uh, them to? Uh, stupid question. How did you get them? Hey, Colin and Kim, would you like to be and produce my album? Hopefully they didn't charge you a lot. <laughs> uh, well, uh, they, they didn't, actually. Okay, so it goes back a little further than that, because that was 2004, and that was my third album. So um, my second album was called Bogart's Bounce, 2002. Uh, I was like, you know, 21 years old, recording it, whatever. Um, and I had just met Kim and the T-Birds the year before that, and I asked Kim if he would record with me, and he said, oh, man, I can't, I'm too busy, you know, blah, blah, and I was like, okay, cool, and then I asked Gene Taylor, the piano player, you know, also from the Blasters and sure. um, James Harmon, yeah. you know, just one of the greatest blues piano players ever, and and Gene said he wanted to do it, so after Gene said yes, uh, I don't know if it was weeks or a month or two went by, Kim Wilson calls me. He goes, hey, man, I've been thinking about it. You know, I'd really like to help you guys out. I was like, okay. And then I said, so, you know, what do you charge? And he goes, well, you don't know. You don't want to know my rate. Let's just put it this way. You fly me in, put me in a hotel, and pay me what you can. Wow. And I said, seriously? He's like, yeah, man, if you could pay me, you know, pay me a bit, then great. If not, don't worry about it. You know, I'll get it. I'll get it some other time, and I just want to help you guys out. And and that's when Steve Mariner was in my band too. So we were, we had the guitar and harmonica thing kind of covered. Um, and he came in and he was a special guest on that record and sang and played harp on it. And that's where we really kind of connected. And then from then, you know, I sat in with the T-Birds a bunch of times and, and Kim's blues band. And uh, and then he said, hey man, you know, when are you going to do another record? I want to produce your next one. I said, okay. So he ended up producing it and while we were planning it, I said, you know, I'd love to get Colin James on it. What do you think? He goes, oh, yeah, I recorded with Colin, you know, years ago and uh, love his singing, whatever. And so I, I think the reason I was able to snag Colin into the deal is because I had Kim, you know, on the team kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to Colin's management and said, I have Kim Wilson producing my record, we want Colin. It was like, okay, you know, I see a connection there. And that's cool. And then, yeah, so flew him in from Vancouver and, uh, went in the studio he was he was done his vocals man in like like no joke 30 minutes for like two songs damn and perfect just perfect like that guy 
he's he's just such a natural. When he starts singing, man, there's like I was saying to my wife the other day, I don't think I've ever heard him out of pitch, like even a little. Like he's ridiculous. So yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, could you share <clears throat> your website, social media for the people so they can purchase your music? Yeah, it's uh, jw-jones.com, and uh, all my social media is jwjonesblues, with no spaces or hyphens. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the best way to connect with me, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then the website jw-jones.com, and uh, yeah, man, that's where you'll find me and my store and all that kind of stuff. Do you have any live streams coming up that uh, people can watch? Nothing scheduled right now. I'm working on one with Hirojo and one with my band for um, the Can't Stop the Blues Facebook. Oh, week. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm doing one May 27th, Wednesday. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. Great. That's coming up. Yeah, it should be good for exposure. And, you know, they got a lot of fans and they've been really, really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've been incredible, man. I mean, what they're doing is, is so cool. And a lot of people don't understand that it's not actually live. Right. But it's funny because I think most people think it's live. Like, they're watching it, and they're just assuming it's live. Even though it's not live, it seems live. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. um, I think that's a really cool thing they're doing. And uh, and it, it, feels, it feels live because, you know, when you do it, you are, in fact, just you playing or you and a couple guys, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's really cool, man. And, uh, and it'll bring you a bunch of new fans for sure. Well, thanks for joining me and my little show here, buddy. You've always been nice to me, helping me with gigs, and uh, I really, really appreciate that. You're one of the good guys, and keep doing your thing, man, and hopefully we will meet and share a cup of coffee and maybe uh, trade some guitar licks, my friend. Yeah, man, I hope so. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, you know, as we were prepping for this, I remembered that the way we met was you were helping me get gigs in Florida. So really? I, yeah, man, yeah. That's, wow. right. That's how we uh, first connected. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. So you're one of the good guys. <laughs> All right, man. You have a wonderful day, brother. And uh, right, thank man. you for, for uh, being on the program, brother. Have a good thank one, you so buddy. Much. You too, man. Peace. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Peace, Love, and Hot Sauce. Be safe, be sane, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you on the flip side.